You're listening to Dads, Diapers, and Drinks. Three dads trying to lead their families well in a crazy world. So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Dads, Diapers, and Drinks. Uh, I am your host, Scott. And I'm Nate. And I'm Jeff. <laughs> I can't get over that. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> uh, the delay is crazy. Um, and uh, you're listening to episode five of our podcast here. Uh, this week, Nathan and I are drinking a bit of Irish whiskey. Yes. I don't know what accent this actually is. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of halfway <laughs> in there. Somewhere, somewhere over there in England. Yes. This is uh, Proper 12, which is um, Conor McGregor's whiskey, Irish whiskey that he is sponsoring or had made or some combination of the two, but it's delicious and I love combination. it. Combination. So as Irish whiskey goes, I think it is hands down way better than Jameson and is pretty much my favorite Irish whiskey out there. It's also, it's not particularly cheap, so I'm glad that it's good because <laughs> if it was bad, I would be like, this is dumb. <laughs> You're going to make me pay $30 for this. Yeah, but it's good stuff. I'm a fan. And I am drinking a rum and coke because I am cheap and ran out of scotch and bourbon and haven't gone to buy any more. So I have rum. That's yeah. all I have left. Are you still committed so tonight, to becoming to a scotch snob? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, my, my rule with both bourbons and scotches in order to expand my knowledge is once I know I like a bottle of something, I don't buy it again, which is kind of counterintuitive. But... Like my, I know my favorite bourbon is 1792, and you probably won't see me buy a bottle of that unless it's like a special occasion where I say, cool, I'm going to buy the good bottle for people to come over and have it. Yeah. But for me, I'm going to go buy something I've never had before to keep trying more stuff and see if there's something else out there that's great. So I will be going to the liquor store at some point and picking up some new stuff, and I can't wait to find out if I like it or not. It's an adventure. What a wonderful thing. I had the same <laughs> conversation at work about beer. Because he was telling me about all these beers at Southern Tier, because he was going to Southern Tier. Um, and I was like, oh, I love that place. They have an awesome chocolate like coffee stout. It's like one of the best. It's like the most coffee stout. And he, I was like, I'm like, he was like, yeah, I really like this IPA. I'm like, well, how hoppy is it? And he goes, I honestly don't know. I just really drink it. I'm like, he's like, is there a reason to like know about it? I'm like, well, actually, I kind of tend to try and understand what each beer is or what each drink is so that you can kind of guess like make an educated guess okay i think i'm gonna like this one because it has these certain things or it's this percentage or this level of hoppiness or whatever and it's like you can kind of make an educated guess on what you'll like instead of just buying something that's completely off the wall and just terrible that you end up hating i think i think all three of us are the type of people that when we go to a brewery i I always get flights yep i I know scott does because I go there with him frequently enough. And I'm pretty sure you do too, Nate, whenever we've gone. Oh yeah. Always, especially for so new breweries. I'm, oh yeah. I'm, I, I always want to know what you guys make. I don't want to have one beer. I'd like to have six of them, mm-hmm. but I can't drink six, 12 ounce beers in a sitting. They'll collapse. <laughs> so yes. flights are awesome. And I, I'm a huge fan of trying all the new stuff. Oh yeah. It's, th- yeah. That's the fun of, that's the fun of it to me. I'm extremely not picky about what I'm drinking either. Like I couldn't tell you what I like, what I don't like. Like I get a flight and I like all of it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot carry a beer conversation on for anything. Cause I don't even know. I don't know anything about beer. <laughs> he enjoys. I just drink it all the time. I like, like to drink it. I like IPAs. I like stouts. I like ales. I like lagers. I like all that. All? I don't even know if I just are ales and lagers the same thing. I don't, uh, even, I don't know. Ale kind of covers a lot of, things but an ale is like everything that's like, not those things that there's like before i know there are different tiers like i don't know i like stouts too yeah big fan of stouts <laughs> I, like, I that's a winner all the time yeah i love guinness so but yeah i'm sure my friend eric from college who knows everything about everything is uh just pulled over in his car weeping if he's listening to this <laughs> it's like i have I taught you nothing we, we roomed together for a few years and yeah I'll nice. never forget the one time Eric and you came back from school and we're at our parents' house. And it was the first time I ever saw someone use a French press to make coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric was he knows so everything about coffee into too. it. 
he was like, okay, this is the timing. You got to press it this far, not too far. Add this much water, count to 30. It was like, he was in it. I had never yeah. seen anything like it. I was like, dude, and I brew to, coffee. You put it in the pot. But you goes. have to you have to let the grounds bloom first. So you pour a little bit of water on the top mm-hmm. and then See, let the grounds get all the acidity out first. And then. And yeah. I am now a French press connoisseur. I French press every single day. It's the only way I drink oh. coffee nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I actually do every single step that Eric <laughs> taught me in that kitchen what? like seven years ago. <laughs> I do all of it exactly like he taught me. It's awesome. I still remember it. Yeah. So it's funny yeah. that you brought him up because like I, well, I literally live daily by the advice he gave me. <laughs> well, there you go. It's Eric, like if you're listening. Shout out to Eric. If you ever <laughs> shout this. out to Eric. It reminds I bet you me. never once thought about your roommate's younger brother's coffee lesson that you gave him. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do enjoy it. It goes to show you, you never know what people are going to take from you. You know, it's uh, you, you're influencing people whether you know it or not. I bet yeah. making coffee like that is almost kind of meditative, kind of like the Japanese tea ceremonies, or I don't know if that's a Chinese tea ceremony where they have like this whole like production of like the way that they do it in order to make the tea. But that's more from a production standpoint of getting the best coffee. But still, yeah, putting the effort into it to get a better cup of coffee or a better product, you know, is just always worth it. I think a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I used to do pour overs a lot. Well, go mm -hmm. ahead, Jeff. Well, I was going to say, especially basically I'm between Keurig coffee or French pressing. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to do pour over, but my filter kind of broke. It started letting, I don't know what happened. It just started letting a ton of grounds through all the time. Was, this is not okay. Well, you only have one <laughs> so filter? I stopped using it. Yeah, I only had one metal filter. That was like a, it oh. came with the kit. Oh. So mine's like this stand that this conical glass piece oh, goes in. And then you, you put new filters in every time you brew a new cup. Mm-hmm. So, but it was Very a labor of love. Um, it's it's not the quickest way Too to get love. coffee, and yeah. I just you know the same way with beer, I just don't taste the difference enough <laughs> <laughs> to justify doing it all the time. Like I will gladly do a Keurig and have coffee in two minutes, uh, or with the coffee maker we got for our wedding. Actually, you pour pour the whole beans in the top, set how much coffee you want. Oh yeah, your coffee maker is awesome. It grinds it up and then brews you that amount of coffee, and yeah, it's a. Uh, that's the kind of coffee maker <laughs> that you can literally set in the morning and have like super fresh brewed coffee. And it's just like, I don't even have to touch it. It just comes out perfect. Exactly. That's, I haven't done that in a while where, but I used to set the auto automatic brew time for mm-hmm. like 10 minutes after I'd wake up. So it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I actually Fancy. have an update related to kind of last week. Bananas. Ness oh. micro rant. So to recap, <laughs> Last week we talked about some crap yes. <laughs> that has gone down. Uh, so, so go ahead. This Just- is the remainder of the crap. So essentially, long story short, uh, my wife contacted her fertility specialist who she was talking to, and they had like a virtual visit. And he basically freaked out and says, "You need to come in now. We need another ultrasound." And we're like, "Okay." So she calls and tells me this. I'm like, "Okay." So she goes in for the ultrasound. He's like, you're getting scheduled for a DNC. Basically, what a DNC is basically what you get if you have a miscarriage and they need to remove everything. Mm. So okay. all the, only- the doctors that we had seen beforehand, like going to the emergency room, they didn't tell us all these aggravations that we had. And then when we went back to the emergency room, because my wife was in the most pain she's ever been in her entire life, and they said it was severe uterine cramping, which now we know that they just couldn't read an ultrasound effectively. And basically there was still stuff that needed to come out that wasn't coming out. So she was, why she was bleeding. It seems dumb because yeah, they weren't wrong. It was severe uterine cramping because there was still stuff up. Yeah. (laughs) They're not wrong in that regard, but it's like, they're just like, yeah, that's normal. And like, really? Like, is it really that normal now? It's that it's two weeks or three weeks after the fact of when everything should have already come out. And so she basically had to get an emergency surgery. And what I was told over the phone by her is that essentially, if this isn't handled almost immediately, there could be permanent scarring, which would prevent us from having children, period. So I was up to here. And you can't see it, but I'm basically touching the ceiling uh, with all of the doctors. And I'm like, I literally don't trust anyone. But uh, Dr. Lou who's the fertility specialist that we've been seeing. I'm like, I don't. 
everyone is an idiot. You're all idiots except for this guy. This guy <laughs> has nailed it every single time and is super caring and like super intense about everything. So I was like super messed up and I had like, I had texted Scott and like kind of talked to him about it like midweek, but I was like, I can't even text this because I'm too mad. I was too <laughs> mad. But then she had the surgery on Friday. Everything went perfectly fine. And she ended up not having any scarring or any damage or anything. And so she, we are finally, finally on the other side of things. And healing is being restored. And we can start trying to have a baby in eight weeks. So Yay. Super, Yay. super excited. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. Uh, so, so bad news and good news. It's, it's got the upside already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been so my in week. A, in other, <laughs> yeah, man. In, in other family news... Um, my wife has a doctor's appointment tomorrow for our second, which is she's 34 weeks pregnant now. So we're mm-hmm. getting getting there, getting right up to it. Close to showtime. Um, and Ellen, my wife, thinks that there is something potentially wrong, oh. which is exciting. Mm. Um, mm. She. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that's a bad exciting. But she's pretty confident that the baby is not head down, which he's supposed to be by now. Uh. And. What so that, she's like breach or something. Saying, as we're like, what was that? I thought it was like breach. It's called like breach or something when they're like yeah. upside down. So he's yeah. So he's breach. She thinks basically okay. she keeps on getting kicked in the rib cage, and is saying these kicks are not in the right spot. I think his head's over here. I think his feet are there. I don't know. She's so she's all concerned and thinking that this is probably not going to be a normal birth, mm. and. Probably gonna. It, her fear is it's gonna end up being a C-section, but we'll find out probably tomorrow mm-hmm. at the doctor's appointment if everything's gonna be normal or if we're gonna have a scheduled C-section, which would be a first for me. So mm. yeah, there's lots of that, that's a bit of an odd tension that I didn't know I felt. Well, I'll say yeah. having it scheduled is awesome, so you know exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly when the baby's coming. Um, the convenience of that can't be understated. That yeah. sounds great. And the stress of the first kid being at work and just thinking, oh, my gosh, the kids do in a week, any minute this could happen. Oh, my land. You're just like yeah. rocking back and forth in your desk chair. Mm-hmm. Your boss is like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I've been thinking about nothing but birth and babies for the past hour. I have no clue what's happening. <laughs> I'm not working at my best right now, boss. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is I'm not, not going to lie. Yeah. I'm very distracted. I actually yeah. have a personal like dream that I like. I know this is usually not the conventional thought process, but I really want to be at work when Katie's like, we'll have to go to the baby. And I literally get to go to my boss. So I'm leaving. The baby's coming by. And then I can just get to leave. I'm like, that's like super exciting. I don't know why. I've always dreamed of that. Like I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah. go. <laughs> you don't like your boss, right? Um, or, eh. you know, okay. It would just feel so good to tell him. It's that. a love hate relationship. I, it's not even my boss specifically, but it's just like, there's not many times when you're at work and you just, you have the option to like leave. Like, oh, there's like an emergency, but like, it's not a good, bad emergency. It's a good emergency. Like it's happening and you get to go and everyone's like, oh yeah, go. You know, I don't know. <laughs> He's running out of the hangar with like Top Gun music playing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have my playlist ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Scott, exactly. you were about to interject something earlier. What was? What were you gonna say? Uh, that was so long ago. <laughs> I don't. It's just gone. Sorry. <laughs> we're very uh, talkative. I don't know. Was it about scheduling the having a scheduled? Probably. I don't know. Probably. I was, well, I was gonna say, um, C sections. I know at one point Kelsey actually wanted one instead of giving birth naturally because oh, she she has a friend I know someone did that yeah she has a friend who's had two c-sections now and the recovery is about the same and like she like, it's not nearly as big a deal now as it was when you and i were born <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh yeah um so i don't know I, lots of people are opting for it now and i don't i don't know i i, I have a ton of room to talk obviously <laughs> being a male um but I would, I guess, encourage Ellen that, um, you know, you don't need to worry so much about it being a C-section, I hope. Um, yeah, she's kind of coming around to the idea of maybe I just prefer it to be C-section. Maybe this will just be better. Because yeah. they're also saying if it, if he's breached, then they'd say, we're going to schedule it in like three weeks, two weeks. You know, we're just gonna, two weeks from now, we're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, cool, I don't have to be pregnant anymore. 
I lose three weeks of pregnancy, which is cool with me. Right. You know, she's, so I think she's kind of okay with whatever happens. But the thing that was kind of blowing my mind to think about is if this was a hundred years ago, my wife is dead in four weeks. That's right. So I was thinking about modern medicine. She's screwed. This is a horrible situation a hundred years ago. I was thinking about that scene in turn. Remember when, uh, Oh, uh, is it Abigail? Is that the slave's girl's name? Yes. She so. helps. Yeah, that- I forgot everyone's freaking name. She's pregnant. show again, dude. Yeah. Uh, Peggy is pregnant with uh, uh, the traitor's oh. <laughs> baby. Golly. He's famous. Benedict Arnold. <laughs> Benedict Arnold, that guy. Jesus is famous. Oh. He's famous. <laughs> Benedict Arnold's kid, and he's breached, and then uh, I'm going to call her Abigail. Go for it. Abigail helps her like actually turn the baby around in the womb. I don't know if that's a real thing or if that was just... Oh, it, it is a real thing because my, my niece, one of my nieces was breached, and they tried to flip her in the womb. And that sister-in-law told my wife, yeah, just have a C-section. That was a horrible process. <laughs> so that was excruciating. I can having someone just mash your guts around until your kid flips. It's like, that was worse than birth. They, I think they successfully did it because I think, I think she's, I think she's born normally. I don't even remember. My word. But my sister-in-law said, don't even do it. It's horrid. Yeah. <laughs> so, Woof. Yeah. Dude. It's craziness. It's so bananas that you're about to have a second child. Right. Like, it kind of right. just snuck up on me. It definitely didn't sneak up on yeah. you. You've been well, dealing with it. But, like, for me, it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, I thought, like, I knew she was pregnant. And she's been pregnant for a while, but it didn't seem like it was tomorrow, which it really feels like it is. Yeah, her, her due date is, like, June 24th or something. That's bananas. Which is literally just over a month away at this point. So, yeah. yeah crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. And by the time you're hearing this episode, baby's already I'll born. I'll probably have yeah. two kids. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we're... Uh, haven't released yeah, anything yet. Five, right? This is episode five. Yeah. So we're uh, a month ahead Not of schedule. <clears throat> and I was talking to, we saw Dan Adams last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy, he's the pastor who married us. If you remember who he Good is. Good guy. Oh yeah. Um, he mar- married us too. And he married Jeff and Ellen. Yeah. Um, yep. He, uh, he's loaning us his huge 10 person tent um, for Kelsey and I to use this weekend when we go camping. We're bringing Davis camping. He's four months old. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm a little worried, but um, he has. I told him that we were doing this podcast, and he said he'll be our first subscriber, which is cool. Um, Sweet. But uh, he told us about. Um, well, he has a bunch of podcast ideas, and uh, he hasn't gone anywhere with them yet. But he told us about. Told me about uh, this site called Anchor. Hmm. So I don't know if I've heard of this. this, but it's like super well integrated and uh i don't know you upload your episodes then you can add in all this other music and mm. but i don't know I'm i intrigued i i made our intro and outro and i kind of like it and i don't know if well uh, i'm certain you can use them it's too yeah good. I, I still i will use them but he was like there's no there's no data limit and oh. i don't know i have to look Ooh. into it more yeah but uh fancy fancy Intriguing. Welcome to the production portion. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, the time where we talk about how we made the show you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> how this got to you. Um, honestly, I don't even think I even meant to talk about that, but I, I my brain is not. Uh, I'm like a dog right now. Um, I. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. All right. Oh, golly. So, well, Jeff, you were about to say something before we even started recording. Yes. And that's the reason we started recording. Oh, and now we've done was, all this banter. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just going to talk about how my this breach baby situation basically and that oh, oh, yeah. we're kind of on edge and you know hoping for the best but you know at the same at the same time it's it's kind of comforting to know that we live in the 21st century where a breach baby is kind of a oh okay level situation where 100 years ago it's a life or death situation where if you don't flip this baby properly, you're, you probably die delivering this kid. It's very likely mm. or the baby dies because it comes out sideways and it doesn't fit. And that's you know, horrid. Like, all those, all is, those ideas were flying through my head this past weekend. It is crazy. I was kind of blown away when, when Davis came out, he had like scraping all over his head and he got these scabs. Oh my word. It's like, that's a very tight. <laughs> it's a violent process, it's not man. Pleasant. It's not. 
You're like, it's, oh my gosh, this is how we come into the world. Yeah. There's <laughs> and no way. And they're obviously like, cone, their heads are like cone shaped because yeah, the they first just couple got weeks. pushed out this tiny hole. <laughs> Insistent oh, insanity. Yeah. It's so, crazy. The, so, okay, that right there is, if you guys don't know, I actually took a couple evolution courses in college because I was very fascinated by it mm-hmm. and I still am and still listen to evolutionary biologist podcasts, two of them a week. So I'm very, I'm very into this topic, but this is one of those areas that evolution has nothing to satisfy my answer for, which is that what came first in this, this is like a chicken or the egg scenario. How can human beings, like, how did we ever evolve the ability where our skulls are not fully fused upon birth and they only fully fuse afterwards? Because without that little convention, no one can be born because you just die. You would so get stuck with your head. That, <laughs> yeah. So like, when did that little piece of evolution come into the tree where, yes, the skull doesn't fuse completely because other animals, it does. And oh. I was like, huh, that's really convenient for the larger head of animals that our skulls are still malleable upon birth. Because if they weren't, we'd all die. Yeah. It's a really fortunate little piece of creation for us. Thank it's, you, system. It's also something that you can't iterate on. Like you pretty much no, you it had to wrong. get right the first time. Otherwise, right. all of that version that could be are dead because <laughs> you never made it out. <laughs> yeah. So that's part of the that's why I, I believe in I yeah. believe in design what's called like designed evolution, which is that I I don't doubt that evolution happens in the observable ways mm-hmm. that it happens. I just don't believe that it happened with no cause. I believe it's a causal system that God runs. So when you see changes like that that are made, you go, wow, that's extremely convenient for life being possible. I go, that was probably God that did that. I don't think there's another way that that little convenient evolutionary trait randomly showed up. Because yeah. if it didn't randomly happen, all life dies at that stage of evolution. All of it. That's that's a pretty convenient change. I'm going to give God some credit on that one. So Yeah, yeah. good work, God. Of, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all. Cheers to you. That's all kind of a Cheers mind to you, buddy. screw. Um, anyway. Yeah, so anyway, uh, moving on from evolution. Um, <laughs> that was my rant. Yeah. <laughs> this week's episode, we are going to talk about how having kids has changed our marriages. And in Nathan's case, having a pregnant wife, mm-hmm. which we can, Jeff and I can talk about that as well. Not just having kids, but like, like how our marriage has been affected through all stages of kids being brought into the world. Um, so... Yeah, who wants to go first? <laughs> uh, I'll t- I'm going to take the easy one. Uh, sex changes, 100%, totally oh, changes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a big damper on that whole situation. Let's <laughs> <laughs> snatch that easy one right off the table. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, it's, it's, so, it's so funny. I, I think I told this, I tried to tell this to you, Scott, when you guys were first pregnant, or t- first talking about having a kid. I tried to tell this to every every young guy now, which is you get married and you just start having your your real sex life and you're like this is fantastic this is the best I, I'm, this is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Just remember, at some point that hits a hard note. <laughs> there's a little yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a you point better. you cross a line somewhere where you just go everything's not happening anymore, and it's not this isn't working for me. I've been having consistent sex for like years. <laughs> I'm not built for this. Yeah. It's really hard. Wasn't ready to quit cold turkey. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize we're going to hit a wall like this. Gosh, dang it. Seriously though. No. Yeah. Um, that was definitely different. It was like three months where you're not allowed to because she's healing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there's the, there's the extremely pregnant where at least for my wife, she's like, I don't know. She's just like not interested. She's like, I feel horrible. I'm fat. I hate everything. It's like, hey, do you want to have sex? Just like, no. <laughs> you don't even have to do anything. Just well, <laughs> it's it's like it's like even like if you're feeling sick or not well, you're like, yeah, go away. <laughs> yeah, like poking you. And you're like, like, no, go away, go. Away. <laughs> I, I'm not feeling well. But they have that for like, it could be months on end, and it just suddenly is like. Yep, so this is a thing now, so get used to it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I wasn't. Can I have some preparedness? Could you tell me? <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that that that's a that's a change that I wasn't particularly prepared for <laughs> before yeah. before having kids. Yeah, for sure. But I think I, I think I'll say on the on the positive side, being the you know, having a nearly two year old in the in my life, is I'd say over the past year and a half. Our marriage has gotten 
just so much better than it was before. Mm-hmm. I, like before it was easy and we got along well and we enjoyed our life and we we're building this new home and we we're, you know, all the like life building parts of marriage were going really well for us. We loved it. And then we decided that we had successfully built a home and a family and we're ready to, we're ready to build a family. And then the first couple of months of having a kid is just chaos. As I think Scott can attest to the first couple of months are just kind of chaos. Yeah. But then once you settle in it, you build this whole life that's so much deeper and richer than the one you had before having kids. And it has made my marriage way better. I think my wife and I get along better than ever. We spend our time much more meaningful together Mm -hmm. when we're together because you don't get alone time. So when you have it, it's much more meaningful, which is really cool. And it's, it's, it's been, you know, we read the article two weeks ago Mm -hmm. about how, Oh, it can be hard for your marriage. And I just read that and thought I, I, it could be, but it's been great for mine. I love it. I love being a dad. I love my right. wife being a mom. It's great. Well, I think something that the three of us did before getting married is we made sure we married someone who shares our values. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, yeah. Um, actually, I heard Ben Shapiro talking about that. He uploaded a video recently. It's an old video of him um, at, um, at a college giving a lecture and then he opens it up for Q and a, and then uh, a student asked him, you know, he was dating. <laughs> he phrased it kind of in a funny way. He's like, hypothetically, let's say as someone was dating someone who's has opposing views and blah, blah, blah. You really like them, but you're not sure what to do. And uh, anyway, Ben Shapiro talked about the importance of having shared values in marriage. And uh, you know, he being a devout Jewish person, he made sure that his wife was Jewish and, um, that just answers when you have the same values, it just makes everything else so much easier. Um, it's like, there are a lot of discussions you don't even need to have because there are things that you already agree on. So for us having kids, um, we have essentially a rule book in the Bible of you know, how you should raise a kid and the different values we need to instill in them. So it's like not... I'm not worried about that affecting our marriage much because we, yeah. we are it's not, already it's not stressful. Like the, the, the things parents will disagree on, especially like if they have different belief systems entirely, are like, what do you teach a kid about this day and age about gender or mm-hmm. about, um, you know, uh, promiscu- promiscuity or like sex and like all that stuff. Um, or about, yep. you know, life after death, all, all, I don't know, fill in the blank yeah but we just uh you know i feel like we i mean obviously our baby is still a baby we haven't had a chance to really parent him yet um but i can say for me in these first four months um kelsey and i have bonded over our mutual love for our child and uh like i I love seeing kelsey be a mom because i think it's it's the best i think she's super good at it and she can get smiles out of davis by just doing all this baby talk that I try to do, but I'm not good at it. And I'm so, it's, <laughs> so time, not nat- it's so it's, not natural. It's to hilarious. Me. Every, every time I try to do something weird, Davis literally looks at me like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> do not quit your day job, man. <laughs> Why'd you come home from work? Go. <laughs> oh, that's me. I, I will say I have been super impressed. I think it's very natural as a dad. To just kind of be like, yeah, go do your thing. You know, you're always kind of like, yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm right here, but, you know, just go do your thing. And I feel like it's definitely the moms that are more inclined to be like, must mother, come here, I'm going to hold you. But like Kelsey has been like really awesome. Like even like instances of like going to church and she's like, yeah, he can just go to the nursery. It's fine. Go, go. For other, it. Other and she's like have been- rock solid, like totally fine at church. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm right here. Baby's totally taken care of. It. Yeah, and, and I've seen so many parents are like, "That is so good." What if they sniff gluten? And you're like, "It's fine. It's <laughs> just let them are, breathe." <laughs> and that's another thing that I love about my wife is that she is just as chill as I am about oh, those yeah. kinds of things. Like, lots of parents are shocked to hear that our kid doesn't sleep in the bedroom with us still, or that really? we just we just hand him off to the nursery so willy nilly. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Our kid was sleeping in his nursery on day four because we couldn't stand it anymore. 
Yeah. So we 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 got we got Kelly out of our room as fast as we could. <laughs> yeah. We like we honestly we took her to church the when she was like eight days old. We she was born on a Saturday and we took her to church the following Sunday. Yeah. Like, well, we're going to church and I guess we bring the kid. We held her the whole time. Well, we, we were passing around to the to our friends and stuff. I was like, yeah. I don't know, what are we gonna do? I'm taking her to church. Normal stuff. Right. Life continues. And there were people at our church going, I can't believe you're here with a newborn. I don't know. Why not? Yeah. You want to hold them? I'm tired. Here, take it. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't do this anymore. We're going to hand this off to you. We're going to go in the back and sleep. Yeah, I'm going to go sleep in the back. I'm going to go sleep in the office. Who's Bye. preaching this morning? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> My word. <laughs> oh, golly. Aaron, dang it. <laughs> not Treadway. But yeah, I will say... He- He's so energetic. He wakes me up. <laughs> Even just like, like having like random discussions where like, like Katie and I will usually just be like watching something or chilling and like a thought will just come into mind or she'll think of something and you're like, Hey, this is what I think. What do you think? And it's so refreshing to have constant affirmation being like, Oh yeah, that's exactly the way we're going to do that. And you're like, okay, cool. Like <laughs> Great. That's just another thing yeah. I don't even have to worry about. Like we've we're had, already on the same page. We've had countless instances instances oh. of that. Yeah. It's so so great. <laughs> one of the areas that eventually this is something that there's there's probably two things that we've actually had disagreements in perspective on as far as general parenting that we've had to work through. One of them was Santa. Mm. Huh. I was in the I don't want to do it. At all. I have no interest in this. I think it's dumb that we tell our kids this. Mm-hmm. I have, I don't even want to do it. And Ellen was like, no, we have to do Santa for a little while. And I was like, oh, I hate this. It's dumb. So me being argumentative as I am, of course, <laughs> argued that as long as I could until I inevitably gave up and said, look, I know it's going to happen because my in-laws are going to do Santa with them. There's yeah. nothing yeah. I can do about it. So it is what it is. I'm just going to die in my little hill of grumpiness that I have built. Um, <laughs> the second one is now that we have a nearly two-year-old is discipline. Oof. So you actually need to talk about how you do discipline. Yeah, I can see Because you that may being... think of discipline as one thing and your wife may think of it as a different thing. Mm-hmm. Especially because in our experience, boys and girls are disciplined very differently. So my wife was disciplined in some ways that I was never disciplined. Yeah. And I was always disciplined rather immediately and physically. It was yeah. spanking, Time out in the chair. Bam. It was, you mess up, you do it. <laughs> yeah. Immediately and, handled. Yeah. So it's, you know, you have to have these little conversations of, so when Kelly does this, what's the response? And you need to practice it together. You need to rehearse it and practice it. So mm. right now my daughter throws temper tantrums like crazy. Anything, anything at all happens. And she is face down on the carpet instantly. Wow. It's it is so funny to watch. <laughs> and me being the total jerk that I am, I just laugh when it happens. So Ellen was telling me, you can't do that. It's like, but it's hilarious. No, you can't. You, you have to control this. When the kid huh. does this, you need to tell her no. And you need to turn your back on her because she lays down face on the floor. Then she'll pick her head up and try to look at you to <laughs> see, if you, see if you notice her. You're right. And if you do, she'll go, ah, and she'll put her head back down. <laughs> so it's like you have to train this right response the, right yeah you have crap. to train a little response rehearsal that both of you do that you have to commit to together and that was the first time where i thought oh this is a real parenting strategy thing that we have to just learn and do yeah. it and we don't have just an on the same page inherently type of situation we actually had to pick how we respond to something together but again it was like a team building exercise it's right. like a stupid team builder thing you do at work that you think is dumb, but you have to do it in real life with your kid and your wife, and you actually <laughs> yeah. feel like you're a better team afterwards. Right. It's cool. Still dumb, but you got to do it. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious <laughs> and dumb, but yeah, you commit to it. Yeah. I'd say Kelsey and I have differed a little bit in, uh, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of like you were saying, Nathan, um, how the women are more like, must be a mom at all times. And like, if she'll leave me with Davis and she hears him crying or um, whatever, if I'm not interacting with him as much as she would be, mm-hmm. then there's a problem. Uh, like, okay. Well, he's content over there. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and <laughs> watch TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's not a big deal. I could see, I could see disciplinary things becoming 
perhaps an obstacle. But, um, I mean, she's a girl. She was, I don't know if she was spanked or not, honestly. But I'm totally planning on spanking Davis. Gonna <laughs> have some mad whopped. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you ever talked to any parents about spanking? Any other parents about spanking? It is so polarizing. No. It is one insanely. of the more polarizing things I have ever really? touched. Oh, insanely. Like, people will get mad at you. They think you're abusing your child? Essentially. Uh, I was spanked and I love my parents. <laughs> there. Refute it. I think I love my parents more <laughs> because I was spanked. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, what a I, dumb I had argument. a coworker. Oh. I had a coworker dude. who was talking. It was right when we had our kid. And it was me and my, my old coworker who left the company who was a couple years older than me and had kids that were young. And he, I was asking my other coworker about discipline and spanking and stuff. And he said, oh, yeah, no, I spank my kids. He said, actually, here's the tip. This is actually a good tip for you, too. Um, he said, I don't use my hand to hit my kid. We have an actual like leather hmm. square that is used for discipline because it's kind of a mental connection with the, with the kid that you don't want to be the one that hits your kid, but you want to be the one that disciplines them. Yeah. So that was his recommendation. I like and, that, actually. And I, I haven't implemented that because we don't really spank Kelly, per se. Yeah. She doesn't. And She's a little we're young gonna for start. that. She's... <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna start soon. She's she's such gonna a real soon. brat these days. <laughs> <laughs> she's so she's so argumentative these right. days. It'll probably well, start. She, she knows right from wrong. She does, and she she instinctively does wrong. Oh my gosh! So we uh, <laughs> oh give it to me, Jeff. Give it to me. Bring it. <laughs> so we went to uh, my our our parents own a small business. It's a gas station convenience store, and it's being completely remodeled right now. So we. Drove up there just to kind of say hi to my parents and I'm talking to my dad and my daughter, we don't really, really pay attention to her and out of the corner of our eye, we see her run out the door of the business with like eight eight bags of peanut M&Ms, which are her favorite thing in the world. And she's making a run for it. <laughs> she knew how to steal. She took them and ran out of the building. She's like, if I can run fast enough. Who taught you? Who taught you this? Why do you know? Oh my gosh. It's hilarious. Anyway, so yes, spanking will come. But anyway, so I'm having this conversation with my one coworker about how to discipline your kid. He's telling me this tip about using an actual like spanker device. So that's mm-hmm. not your hand hitting your kid and they understand that they're being disciplined, but dad's not beating them up because they wanted the distinction, yes. which I think is probably a good idea. And my other coworker who has a kids said like, oh, I could never, I could never hit my kids. I could just never do it. I'm not anticipating that said, I will enjoy it. No, but and then, so then my, my, my other coworker who was giving me this advice said, uh, do your kids sleep well how, like how, how do your kids sleep well and he said no my kids no no they never sleep he said okay yeah spank them they'll sleep <laughs> really for real he's like what do you want from me he's like he said yeah he said he's like i was saying that my kids get out of their bed they're like toddlers or older they just get out of their bed and they start wandering around the house in the middle of the night and have to go pick them up and put him back in bed and then my other was like you spank them well yeah when they dis- do that discipline say, them no. for getting out of bed <laughs> It's no, you don't wander the house at two in the morning. Okay. You sleep. And if they learn that they'll sleep and then you don't have to be so tired every day that you flop into your desk and drink all your coffee and collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make your kids sleep, man. It's interesting. <laughs> it was just interesting. How much as an adult, we strive to have our own freedom at all times. Like we want to have the maximum amount of freedom that is available to us, period, like, that's just, like, our goal. But as a child, it's amazing how much children need, like, the most structure they essentially can, like, have. Mm-hmm. Like, they thrive off having structure. I mean, like, even as a baby, the amount of, like, schedule that you were trying to hold for Davis, mm-hmm. just in order for him to, like, live his best life, essentially. <laughs> right. And it's the same thing with, like, discipline. It's, like, these, like, children, like, actually, there's even... uh Jordan Peterson, you know, the guy, he was in his, in his 12 rules for life book that I, I, I listened to the audio book, but I also own the book, but he was talking about, you know, taking care of this one kid and that he's just, he's like, oh, he's just a demon, like just the worst. Like we, he's never good for anyone. And he was just firm and direct with him. Best friends. This kid loves Jordan Peterson because he was just like, I'm just, I'm not going to just let you think that you can own the place. You're not in charge. Right. I think Parents nowadays are very 
concerned with their kids liking them. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I'm not worried about that. You know, I don't care. Like I'm fully prepared for my kid to hate me at times. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I hated my parents at times, but I'm thankful for the yeah. discipline I received. Cause I think I'm a pretty good person now, <laughs> you know, yeah. it paid off. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I didn't turn out to be a spoiled brat. Um, I don't think I did. You guys can call me despite having that. every opportunity to. Yeah, because I know chance. I know spoiled brats that came from our areas and our yeah. schools. It's so very th- possible with where we lived to have become a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think parenting is and about giving your kid maximum freedom within the right boundaries, essentially. Yeah. Um, well, it's the whole idea of it's. Well, I forget which movie it is. There's a movie about one of the one of the great war movies of like the 80s or 90s. And the guy comes home from Vietnam and he goes into a convenience store and it's completely filled with all the different types of cereal. Mm-hmm. And he just breaks down because he just can't handle it. There's just too much choice. He's just not not used to this much choice. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of everyone kind of wants it to be totally free. Everything's absolutely free. You want your kids to have every opportunity to express themselves. And you go... They really, you really don't. You kind of want to give them a couple good pathways and say, here's the three. Pick whichever one you think sounds best. And they will thrive in whatever those constraints are. Right. Mm -hmm. If you, if you give them the toolkit and you say, these are the tools, here's how they work. Go do it. They'll do good. If you give them a box with a bunch of stuff, don't define any of it and say, have at it. They might just go, I don't understand this. And it's, it's amazing. And just blah. Even as adults, uh, how we have a complete inability to thrive within complete freedom, especially creativity, like from a creative standpoint. Like, for instance, the people that made the Lego movie, for instance, total segue, but the people (laughs) that made the Lego movie, they said, we are only going to make this entire movie. It's all made in CGI, but we're only making this movie with real live Lego bricks that can only move in the way that Lego, Lego bricks can move. And be built. And that's it. That we're not going to do it any other way. And the amount of creativity that came out of that. Exactly. Just because it's a yeah. narrow set of parameters. And it's like right. you have complete freedom. It's like, well, actually you end up doing your best work when you say, well, you can only do it this way. I mean, I've made entire games with my friends entirely around the fact of like, okay, you can't do this, but you can only throw the ball in this fashion. You know, or like something like right. that. Like all the time. And it's the best situations. Yeah, that's where you... That's where you get the most creativity. Yeah. It's like Wallace and Gromit, yeah. you know, the yes. stop, stop, or chicken yeah, runs, the, st- the stop motion, uh, yeah, the claymation, that's stop amazing. motion casting. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and it's, I almost It's kinda, the concept of... Go ahead. Go for it, sir. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, it's the, it's the same concept of, if you, if you told someone to write a book, it's like, write, write a book. You go, yeah. I don't even know what, I don't even know where to go. He's like, okay, write... A mystery book. Okay. Write a mystery book about what you did last summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I have enough framework that I can go last summer I did and you can insert some whole thing and you can you can go to town and write a bunch of stuff. But until you have enough of a narrowed vision, it's just too hard. It's too hard. It's too broad. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason if you ever hear like we're doing a podcast called Dad's Diapers and Drafts. Drinks. Drinks, drafts. Drinks. Originally drafts, drinks. now drinks. Sorry, usually drafts, now it's drinks. Uh, but <laughs> The most important thing for us to ever get this thing off the ground and even do it was just a clear focus on what our angle is at the angle of attack. Because without it, if you just say, I'm going to start a podcast, mm. what do you want to do? What does that even mean? <laughs> right. It's just, there's so, it's so broad. You just can't even begin to focus or plan or do anything. Right. But if you give yourself, this is the angle we're coming from, you can go, oh, cool. I can think of 12 topics to talk about out of that instantly. Oh yeah. Right. So it's. It's so important to understand that idea. And then when you're raising your kids go, okay, I understand the idea of setting up the variables in such a way that my kid can go, Ooh, I can take these and run with it because you can't control everything and you can't control nothing. So there's this good middle ground of giving you the right pieces that you can start running with it. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the whole discipline idea is how do you, you know, how much is too much? It's this whole dance we'll be doing, I think, for age two to 26 in my case. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll see how we play it. Yeah, well, my problem 
I don't know if I would, if I were our parents, if I would have done this any differently. But my problem is that since you and I did everything, played every sport, tried every instrument, they ended up being pretty good at all of them. We just kept doing all of them. You just kept doing it. Yeah. Ended up being mediocre at all of them. Mm. <laughs> so I wouldn't say mediocre, but what? Well, whatever. Not, we were good. We were not excellent at many things. But yeah. We were very good at pretty much everything. So, but that kind of makes me wonder: what if I had picked one? Mm. What if mom and dad had only allowed us to pick one? And if they just said how, we're baseball players, right, you're playing baseball. How good? How good could I have gotten at that one thing? And it, it's almost a blessing and a curse to be. This sounds so arrogant, <laughs> but <laughs> well, to let be, me puff myself up a little bit more. Uh, I don't know what's this. I don't know. Uh, but to be to be uh, competent at so many things, um, instead of just being exceptional at one thing, because mm-hmm. like I, I work with people who are exceptional at being engineers, and like that's kind of this is a bold assumption, but that's kind of like they're born to be engineers some of these people like you are a genius at this stuff and for me this did not come naturally i had to work my butt off and takes me a while to understand new concepts and uh almost i i kind of wish i weren't given so many choices because i I took i said yes to all of them like Mm. you know so i don't know if i'll what we'll do with our kids if we will try to steer them down one path or another obviously i'm biased toward the sport of golf um but I want, <laughs> I want to, you know, I want Davis to try everything and, but maybe at some age I'll say, all right, you have to pick two sports you're going to play this year. And then maybe a few years later say, all right, we're down to one sport, but yeah, I, don't I, know. I, I think just, just on the cursory glance of looking at this, I think for me, I'll be very open to encouraging my kids to play all the sports until high school. I think when you get to high school, you should just say, look. You got to pick. I, I don't think you should do year-round sports. You'll probably burn yourself out. You won't perform at peak in any of them. I think you should pick maybe a, maybe a fall sport, and maybe a spring sport. I don't know if it's less. If you're if you know that this is your primary one, mm-hmm. then focus on that. And the secondary one can be a whatever sport. That doesn't matter. But I, I think by high school, I'd encourage them to really narrow the focus. Because yeah. like my case in high school, I actually played a different sport every year. I played like five sports at our high school. I played golf, <laughs> yeah. soccer, basketball, tennis, and baseball. Word. <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I, I lettered in uh, not basketball, but I could have lettered in all of them. I lettered in three of them, and I didn't letter in the other two because I quit them before I was an upperclassman. So like I, if I had just done one of them the whole four years, I probably could have been really good at it, but I just didn't. I was, yeah. I was doing everything. So that, my advice to my kids would be don't do what I did with sports in high school. Pick one and do it really well. Right. Because, you know, well, I also learned later, of course, I'm going to go back to my, my gaming histories. Once I grad, once I was out of high school and I was desperate for something to compete in because I'd been playing sports my entire life and then I was 19 and had nothing to do to compete in, I took competing and gaming really seriously and I picked the game Rocket League and was like, I'm going to do this thing until I am really freaking good at it. Yeah. And I did. I was like, well, dang, if I had just done that with any sport that I loved, I could have been really good probably. But I floundered around kind of aimlessly for a number right. of years, just enjoying trying new stuff. So, yep, definitely. I think that's also plays into even like the roles you have in your life. Like I read this book called the midnight library, which was like this weird thought pro like thought exercise of like this, when this person died, they went into this library that was like between life and death and they're not dead, but they could go and live any other version of their life. That was like an amalgamation of different choices they had made. And I was like, you know, they were living all these different lives essentially in this. And I was like, what if I just picked something like really early on, like in high school, like I was like, I'm going to be, you know, a construction engineer or an architect or something. And I just like ran with that, like full focus. But is there so many things in our lives that we're like, like Scott was saying, where you're just like, Oh, that's shiny. Oh, that's shiny. Oh, what about that shiny thing? (laughs) And it's so difficult to actually truly like hone your focus and how much a blessing of people who can, you know, really, you know, really hone in on the thing that they're good at. Like I find that I'm, I astonish myself, this is also going to sound arrogant, that I am (laughs) as good at being an aircraft mechanic as I am. Like the fact of when I figure something out and I'm like, 
how am I the only one that figured this out? Like, you guys yeah. aren't figuring this out too? Like, you don't the, think the same way? And they're like, <laughs> I have the same thought. no, they're like, wow. And I'm like, okay, like, thanks. But then I also have the idea, I'm like, I'm really good at this, but I'm like, this isn't like my top thing. Like, I could totally be really good at a lot of other things and how much of a blessing that is. Like, not everybody can just be good at things. Right. <laughs> like, usually is. you have like a thing that you're really good at and that's the thing that you do. Right. And it's, it's like, how could I be good at this, but also know that I could be very good at other things as well. Right. Well, I think one of the areas, this is one of the, one of the reasons why I, I defend and I'm actually an advocate for competitive gaming and for pursuit of music mm-hmm. is one of the things that really helped me understand myself and understand how how to be good at something and how to pursue something with intention and perfect something was for me in drumming and then Mm -hmm. in gaming where I said, I love these things. I'm going to do them until I am satisfied that I'm good at them. And I drummed like mad when I was in high school, especially once Scott moved out of the house and went to college and I had nothing else to do. I drummed a ton and I got a lot better. And then in gaming, I, I actually committed. I didn't just, play video games mindlessly i said i'm going to compete in this i want to play in tournaments which scott and i had done in halo and call of duty when we were younger mm-hmm. and then i was this new game rocket league came out and i said i'm going to compete in this game this is totally going to be a big esport i'm totally doing this and i set high goals and i pushed myself to achieve them and then i did yeah. and that has such huge inherent value in teaching you how to like how how good you are at stuff showing you what your peak limit is mm-hmm. and how to set up, how to set up goals and work ethic to achieve goals. You know, it's all really important and really valuable stuff. And I think I'll speak for all of us. We're all musicians. I think music is one of those things that really teaches that too. Yeah. And the fact that we all love music and wanted to pursue it and played it a lot and didn't just arbitrarily sit down and play music. Mm-hmm. We'd hear songs and go, I want to learn that. I'm going to listen to it 50 times, memorize it, practice it until I can play it. Right. That's such a good skill. It's so important for people to, to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah. So we got it through music and gaming and, you know, you can yeah. get it through sports too, but I didn't really get that from sports. I just got fun from sports for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sports teach you a ton about self-discipline and hard work and you, you get to see it pay off. Um, yeah. Which is why I'm probably going to take Davis's participation trophies. I'm never getting uh, participation. <laughs> sorry, kid, you lost. Uh, tough luck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's something that's been driving I, nuts. It's it's also just though is having these thoughts that we have and trying to figure out how to reverse engineer it, for lack of a better term, so that a child you can like impart that onto your child and be like, okay, I I have these values and I kind of know how I got there. So like, how do I make it? So that you can understand that and have a clear path to get to there. And yeah. I mean, even like like you were saying with music, like I've spent literally like, I love this song. I'm going to learn this song. And I've literally sat at a piano for like eight hours straight figuring out how to play that song. Like, exactly. Like, and I mess it up to the point where I can literally play it at double the RPM with my eyes closed. Like, I am going to know this. And how much that hard work is so much of a reward. Did you say RPM? I meant BPM. I said You're RPM. Such a mechanic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the revolutions per minute needs to be twice as fast. <laughs> this this song has at least 85 horsepower. I'm telling you. It's this powerful. Song, this song slaps. <laughs> it slaps hard. Like With you're gonna horse, give a horse 85 horses. Buff 85. Um, oh man. But yeah, no, and then like you were saying, it's like the whole idea of like the participation movement, the like everybody gets a trophy. You, like that is so damaging to people's psyche. Yeah. To think that, oh well, yeah, everyone wins. Everyone does not win. I think that's damaging <laughs> to the psyche of people who will actually pursue greatness. Yes. And it is beneficial to people who won't. I think the people who just need the little happy encouragement, it would be mm-hmm. beneficial too, but it would also be very damaging to the people who would actually work hard to pursue greatness. And it's the kind of the leveling, this is the whole 
equity versus equality. Equity, the only way to achieve equity is to make sure that the super successful don't succeed too much. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why you see like, we got to tax the crap out of the 1% that succeeded way too much for us to ever regulate. It's like, well, you, I, I guess you could, but <laughs> the point is that we want people to be excellent. We want excellence. The yeah. point of yeah. everything is to, it, is to achieve excellence. Mm-hmm. So we don't want participation trophies. I want my kid to lose when they lose and then say, if you don't like losing, you should work harder to win. Mm-hmm. And there are people who will give up from that scenario. And there are people who will go, you're right. I'm going to outwork everybody else in this field next game. And I'm going to win that dang game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have, I'd rather have my kid get that lesson or say, Hey, maybe guess what? Maybe soccer's not your sport. It's okay. Maybe you're not good at soccer. We'll move yeah. on. You know, it's okay. There's other things in life. You don't, if you fail at one thing, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's also just a good lesson for kids. I think. Exactly. Right. I couldn't agree more. And it's also, uh, you know, where the sport of golf is particularly gifted <laughs> in teaching people <laughs> because, oh, it, you have only yourself to blame in the sport of golf. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing it's, else going on It's there. you against the golf course and you suck. <laughs> and no- that goes for everybody that has ever played the game of golf congratulations you suck be Scott, better Scott in three years to his three-year-old son so here's how golf works yeah. you and the golf course oh, no. and you suck let's go kiddo yes. step one you Isn't suck this great? step two try to be better step three you still suck okay yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my but word. That's, and that's what's so addicting about it too is it is an imperfectible game mm-hmm. that I am obsessed with perfecting. I don't know why it is. Yeah. It's uh, I'm. It's the pursuit of improvement that I am always chasing. Like I go to the driving range frequently during lunch at work because I just enjoy hitting golf balls. Mm-hmm. It's just fun for me, and uh, I hope I can pass that on to Davis. But I don't want to force anything on him. Um, yeah. So that's 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 a hard part too. I want him. I, I, I want him to want to do it and uh yeah 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 that's something i'm i'm unsure about i'm not there yet but when we get there that's going to be a difficult thing and one of the re- like for music because i'm such a huge music lover one of the things i do is i try to play music in the house all the time whenever we're doing stuff i try to have music playing i i sit i bring my guitars out and i sit in the living room and play guitar and my daughter loves to come over and strum the guitars when i hold chords so that to me is, is like an encouraging sign because I love it and I want my daughter to love it too, but I want her to, to love it because I love it. I want her to see the joy and the fun of it right? and then fall in love with it on her own. And I don't know how to do that in sports particularly. With music, it was kind of easy because I, I just take my guitar to the living room and play it. That's mm-hmm. just part of what I do. So my daughter happens to have grown up for the first two years of her life hearing guitar being played. And I hope that she loves it. And I hope that when she gets older, she wants to play it. Yep. So it's tough. I'm, 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 that's one of those big question marks I have about how do you actually pull it off that I can't wait to get to. Right. I can, I can see it being difficult. Um, as a parent, I know our mom had a tough time when we decided we wanted to stop doing things because she really enjoyed watching us compete in all the sports like soccer and basketball and, I remember it being a big deal when I decided to quit basketball in high school. Um, but I quit playing for the school team when I was a sophomore. Then my junior and senior year, we played with a group of friends, played in the YMCA That was League. the most fun basketball the we best. ever played. I would not change a thing, man. It was so was fun. The best. It was competitive, and we were the best team, and I got to just play the basketball I wanted to play. I wasn't relegated to a role that I wasn't necessarily physically f- built for like I, for some reason like i'm i'm six feet tall and i've been six feet tall since probably junior year of high school we sprouted early. so yeah, yeah we, we, we sprouted early we had our growth spurts early and i just became a forward in basketball and uh i mean uh, yeah i was i wasn't six feet tall when i was in eighth grade but i was taller than everyone else when i was in eighth grade mm-hmm. and uh yeah so i just became i had to play this position as a forward that I was like, this is not me at all. Like I'm a good shooter. I'm a good ball handler. Like growing up, I was a point guard. I would drive and dish. I would do all this stuff as a, as a kid that I trained myself to do. And then all of a sudden because of my height, I have to temporarily 
play as a forward when even though like six feet is not that tall in all things. It's not tall enough to go anywhere yeah. as a forward. Yeah. You'll yeah. never do like, anything what, as a six pointless. foot forward. And I it, playing for school, I was never allowed to really flourish. I was never allowed to shine, you know, before my skills really lied. So mm-hmm. quitting basketball for the school and playing in the YMCA league was so much more fun because we were self-coached. Everyone just kind of did their own thing and we just had fun with it. And uh, that's all I really want for Davis. Like I don't, the odds of, the odds of going pro in anything are so slim. Like I'm not going to force him to stay playing for the school in case a scout comes yeah. or like, mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was one of the, go for, go for it. Nate. Uh, I just think, especially when it comes to something like that, like if you can see that your kid like wants it, that's a totally different thing. Like one of the guys that I work with, he has a son who is, he is playing, he's eight years old and he's playing on the U11s team in a premier league for soccer. Like he's object and he is a forward and scores at least three goals a game. Like he's just an objectively good player. And he only wants to play soccer. He doesn't want to play video games. He'll be out in the yard for six hours a day, kicking the ball around. Like that's what he loves. And it's like, when you see that, that's when you go, go for it. Like, get it, man. Yeah. Like go all the way that you possibly can because you have what it takes and you have the passion for it. Like those are like, those are like the diamonds in the rough. And those are the instances where you say, okay, like if Davis picked up a golf club and like can drive like 200 yards at eight years old, you're like, Oh, <laughs> you have my attention. <laughs> I can see this now. Yeah. Like those are the instances where you know of being able to hold back until you can see that it's worth it. Right. And until yeah. you can see that they see that it's worth it. Right. Yeah. So we've had a little scope creep on this episode. We've talked we're gonna talk about <laughs> how our marriages have been affected by kids. Hey. I guess this is all stuff that could will inevitably affect our marriages, you know. Yeah. I mean yeah. We, we can revisit this topic. This has definitely been more yeah. of like a general conversation, life and also children's, right? You know, about the children's stuff. But yeah, yeah. well, for, for me to connect it, I can at least say one of the things that I'm very grateful for is that my wife is a very big athlete. Right. And until she, until she blew out her ACL in high school, she was the number three in the state sprinter and would have would have sprinted in college and Man, when, even when forgot even that. with no acl yeah it's it's hard to imagine because you don't look at her now and think oh yeah you were probably an incredibly good sprinter i've only but i, I feel seen, like i've only known her with i've a seen knee brace. the tape yeah so i've seen the tape she's i mean she probably was faster than me when i was in high school wow. yeah like it's it's weird to think of so i i for me marrying someone who's also a high level athlete is it was really nice to me because we both know that we want our kids to play sports. She was a huge soccer player, very good soccer player. And we know our kids will play soccer, even though I wasn't a huge soccer player, but I did play. I played one year in high school because I missed it and it was great. Um, so it's, it's nice to me. That's one of those things that you could be very different on, but we are very much on the same page about, which I'm I, just so grateful for that. We're going to, we're going to be a sports family, going to be a music family. There's no way around it. That's what yeah. her parents are. Like they're going to grow right. up in this stuff. I assume they're going to love it. And if they don't, that'll be a bridge to burn when we get there. But yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Kelsey didn't do a ton of sports. She did gymnastics and I don't know, she tried a few things, but uh, I feel like I might be the main sports parent. But I mean, uh, she does coach sh- volleyball. She coaches volleyball. Yeah. That is true. That's true. And she so, played a bunch of volleyball, didn't she? Not really competitively. Um, we she's been playing in a church volleyball league that her family's been a part of for years. So, but it's a pretty competitive league. Like she's not, she's no slouch at volleyball. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. the The athletic genes are definitely definitely in there, even if she didn't utilize them a ton growing up. Well, so I, I feel like uh, Davis has a good our upbringing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. our, our dad was a very, I mean, you could say professional racquetball player when racquetball was a sport yeah. that people cared about. <laughs> Sorry, dad. No, that, that thing <laughs> fell off a cliff. Um, but so he was a very, he's a very big athlete and a competitive racquetball player when he was young. And our mom, I think she played college tennis in a D3, mm-hmm. tiny D3 school. So she's not unathletic, but not to the, you know, 
that's on the same level that our dad was. So our dad was kind of the big sports pusher and our mom was the big, she, she was Supporter. the number one fan. Yeah. She, she was a soccer mom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, all, all of those things. So it's, yeah. it's a totally, for, it's, it's this, the dynamic that we grew up in. So yeah, it's probably dad was still the, very healthy. He was the Illinois state champ at racquetball. When yeah. He was, he was 13. Wow. He's 13. Yeah. In the, in the youth league. Which is, it's hilarious. Like I, we used to watch our dad play racquetball when we were kids. He, we were members of the YMCA and he would play in YMCA racquetball leagues. And I, I wasn't really aware enough of what was going on to really be able to tell how good our dad was. But then apparently he was winning those <laughs> in college. There were racquetball courts at Grove city and my yep. dad would come and visit. And by that, you know, by the time I was in college, he was uh late forties. Um, you know, not, in nearly as good a shape as he once was. And uh, I thought I might be able to stand a chance. No chance. He <laughs> sent he's me, a freak. He sent me running around that tiny court. Like I, I was totally winded and he's standing in the same spot and <laughs> in complete control of me. <laughs> ah, that's my puppet. <laughs> blew my mind. Uh, it's like, mm-hmm. I thought I was better than this. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, crazy. So anyway, sports, parenting, yeah, marriage. I mean, I also, you know, we're, we talked about the podcast in a very direct way, but I also don't see us, you know, exclusively talking about just our families and stuff. Like, we're going to talk about our lives, too, and that's going to involve sports. We'll have sports cast sometime, yeah, maybe. For you sure. It's exclusively sports talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll do episodes <laughs> dedicated members to... Only. <laughs> members only. Members only sports cast. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess my life update for this week was, uh, well, today Davis had his four month checkup and mm. he's doing great, Sweet. but he got his shots. He got some more shots and Kelsey texted me at like four o'clock saying, I need you to come home as soon as you can. <laughs> Cause he oh was screaming Dude, all afternoon. Shot days are oh. bad days. Holy. Lucky for me, by the time <laughs> I got home, Kelsey had him in her arms and he was asleep and uh, she wanted me to bring a bottle upstairs. So I brought a bottle and he kind of woke up when I showed up and he just gave me a ginormous smile and everything was okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah. he, he, didn't, he didn't scream the rest of the night, um, which was nice. So I got to dodge the screaming Davis bullet, yeah. but we've seen, we've seen two reactions from vaccines. One of them is screaming child. The other one is sleeping child. The first round, she was, oh man, horribly upset, felt bad, oh, not miserable day and a half. Second time, she just slept for like a day. Yeah. This is great. We should give her shots every day. Well, that's, a, <laughs> Wait, that's, what, that's what Kelsey said is he was he slept a ton today, but in between naps, it was nonstop screaming. Yeah. Uh, sleep, scream, feed, sleep, scream, sleep. If his mouth wasn't Dead closed home. because he was asleep. Or because he was eating, he was screaming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, we've been going for a good amount of time now. I think we should wrap this up. I think that's cool. a great idea. Yeah. So sorry if you thought we'd be more on topic. Um, I'm not. So, I'm not that sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> don't, <laughs> gonna have don't, to get used don't to. Don't hold too close to that idea. Yeah. yeah. We'll at the beginning of each episode we'll express what our intentions are of what we'll talk about, but uh, who knows where we'll go. So, I guess that's what we learned today. We're a free spirit. Yes, free spirit <laughs> podcast. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Yeah.